Good afternoon, all you Bay Brother listeners. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. Hi, I'm Andrew Hall. He's Jack Deesing. And as we start off the new year, we'd like to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at Bay Brothers One. Again, that's at Bay Brothers One. Also, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, uh, you're welcome to email us at baybrothers2018 at gmail.com. Again, that is baybrothers2018 at gmail.com. Yes, and today um, we start our 12th episode, and this will be the end of Season 1 as we enter into Season 2, and we'll re- release a new logo for Season 2. And we'd like to thank all you listeners for tuning in for the first season um, to kick off um, our first season, our first time ever podcasting, and as we started in my basement and just one spark of an idea that may turn into something brilliant one day and <laughs> already seems to be and um now we have our own studio and it's looking great with the new design and new staff new crew <laughs> the whole bill the whole business in general is just growing yeah uh feel free to invest in us i mean we're the hot new new item on the new york stock exchange yes <laughs> all right and as we started with the song started from the bottom now we yeah. That's like the Colts team. As they started at 1-5, and five, then uh, in the last 10 games in the season, they went 9-1 and one and eventually uh, got the sixth seed uh, in the AFC, and they were the wild card team. And last night they upset the Texans at the Texans' place, winning 21-7. to Yeah, I mean, the after their start early on in the season, I did not think they were going to be doing very good after Angela coming off his injuries. It seemed like he needed a lot of time to progress and get back to normal. It was going to be just kind of a slow year for them and a slow year for him, but turned out he turned it right back around, and look where they are now, advancing in the playoffs. Yeah, and it couldn't have been done without the incredible rushing attack by Marlon Mack, who set the rushing record in a playoff game for the Colts with 148 yards on the ground. Um, incredible comeback story for Andrew Luck again. And kind of a fun fact is that was the most Deshaun Watson had lost in a game since his senior season in high school, which is pretty crazy considering he played against the best of the best in Alabama, a bunch of um, ACC heavyweights, and he even played last year and this year for the Texans. So, and only by 14, so kind of um, an end of a run for Deshaun Watson, but incredible start to his career yeah what can you say he's a winner you know leading him to division championships and probably many in the future yeah and even though he kind of had a disappointing game yesterday I think he'll rebound and um, learn from this experience to be better next year in the playoffs and kind of something interesting I found out during the week was it was the fourth year in a row that the Texans had played in the first game on a Saturday and for you guys that don't know if you do play in the first game on a Saturday uh, it kind of means that you're the least, you're the least appetizing, game appetizing game, <laughs> appealing. Right. Appetizing is more of a food word, I guess. <laughs> that was not their lingo right there, but yeah, I kind of like it. But yeah, as Jack said, the least appealing game to watch. Um, but that's kind of surprising considering they arguably have the best wide receiver in the game in De- DeAndre Hopkins, one of the most exciting pass rushers in the game in JJ Watt. 
probably the best defense or one of the best defenses in the game for a long time, at least top five in the league. They have Deshaun Watson, who scrambles all over the place, makes running throws. Um, so I think the TV net network's got to start giving the Texans some love, I'd say. Yeah, also Cowboys with the win over the Seahawks, 24-22. And um, the Seahawks did cover for all you people um, betting on that game. They were uh, catching two and a half points there. Jason Garrett improves to 1-1 one and one in his postseason record. Kind of saving his job for next season. Uh, Jerry Jones has given him the biggest cushion in the entire world that any coach has ever received. He probably should have been fired, you know, five seasons many ago. Many moons ago. Many, many I mean, if you think about it, one and one in postseason and in eight years, that that's not enough postseason experience. It's too long of a leash, especially for the Cowboys. You know, I think Jerry should expect more out of them. And they scream. They they're known for more of a legacy and more more of a winning legacy and how they run their organization in general. Right. Uh, kind of an interesting end of the game last night. Seahawks down by two, need an onside kick to try to get the ball back and either obtain a field goal or a touchdown in the end. Um, the Seahawks kicker, Sebastian Janikowski, was hurt in the middle of the game, I believe, a hamstring injury. And so they turned to their punter, and instead of doing an onside kick, which is the conventional way of trying to get the ball back, they did a, a drop punt, and it fell right into the hands of the Cowboys uh, very mysterious and puzzling move by Pete Carroll. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me to do that type when a punter has experience kicking from his college or high school days to just try an onside kick. I mean, you have to trust your guys there and do what best is best for the team and hope he can feel, feel the role there. Right. Um, I think they're just trying to be a little too cute with that one, but that's all right. Um, and with the win, Dak Prescott now improves to 32-16 and 16 as the quarterback of the Cowboys, as last night he was 22 for 33, throwing for 226 passing yards. And stat of the day, Prescott has become the first NFL player with 20 or more passing touchdowns and five or more rushing touchdowns in each of his first three seasons. So this kind of brings up the debate is, um, is Dak Prescott an above-average quarterback? Now, I think he is, personally, just because he beat out Tony Romo's spot a couple years ago in his rookie season. He showed a lot of promise in that rookie season. I think he's developed and a good um, combo with Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. I think those two could be a very good offensive presence for years to come. Yeah, I definitely think um, he is kind of an above-average quarterback as of last night because he kind of proved himself in the playoffs. I mean, he is sort of a game manager in a sense as he's not going to blow you away with his passing numbers. But when you really need a big play out of him, as evident last night when it was 3rd and 14, Cowboys in the red zone, um, Scott Linhan, offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, called the quarterback draw. Um, Prescott scrambled a few tackles and eventually got the first down to kind of put the game away for the Cowboys. So... I think Prescott is an above-average quarterback when he's playing at his best, but usually um, if I think he needs to just improve the passing aspect of his game if teams want to respect him more for his passing because with the great running back that they have in Ezekiel Elliott, I think teams are just going to stack the box with eight guys and not respect his passing game, but if the Cowboys really want, really want to reach an elite level, I think Prescott's definitely going to have to improve his passing. Also, um, NFL award predictions, MVP, MVP, the top candidate right now is Patrick Mahomes by his promise in his arm 
and the offense he provides for the Chiefs, leading them to the top seed in the AFC. Yeah, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes for MVP as well. Um, with 50 passing touchdowns and over 5,000 yards, I think you can't refute um, a Patrick Mahomes pick. And even though Drew Brees and Philip Rivers both had remarkable seasons, they kind of declined at the end, and Patrick Mahomes is the clear favorite now. For Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to take Baker Mayfield. Um, the lines are kind of unclear about what is considered the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Is it the most valuable? Is it the most talented? Um, is it the most stat-worthy person? But Mayfield just provided um, kind of a spark to the Browns, uh, giving them one of the best seasons in uh, in this century, I'd say. Or not the century, I'm sorry. In this decade. I mean, it did spark them um, to I mean, win more games than they have in the past couple of yeah, years. Yeah, and they so. were in playoff contention up until Week 16, which is pretty remarkable for some Browns teams that have gone winless. Um, so I think Baker Mayfield showed a lot of promise for the Browns um, and the years to come to be a very promising young team. Um, for me, I'm going to take Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Obviously not a great year for the Giants, but for him, he had a great, a good year stat-wise. I think he'll be a top running back in the league for years to come. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch him personally a lot, but from what I've seen and stats and things like that, I think um, his athletic ability and presence on the field will be very dominant for the Giants. Yeah, and I don't think... Saquon Barkley is one of those one of those system running backs. I think he is one of those rare talents that uh, is really valuable for the Giants. A lot of people are second guessing the Giants picking Saquon Barkley, saying they should have picked a quarterback like Josh Allen or um, Sam Darnold for the Jets. But I think Saquon Barkley is um, an incredible pass catcher. He can also run the ball with force. And I think that was. I think he's just such a talented um, runner that it was a good pick for the Giants. Moving also, our uh, last um, award prediction is Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, I like Andrew Luck for this one just because of his story being injured and not being able to throw a football for a while, coming back starting 1-5, and, and then turning into having a great season. Yeah, I'm also going to take Andrew Luck just because... Um, he didn't even know if he could play football ever again. Nonetheless, lead the team to a playoff victory last night. So, incredible story for Andrew Luck. Now moving on to uh, the College Football Championship. We have Alabama and Clemson tomorrow night. As of now, Alabama's favored by five and a half. Uh, I'm taking Alabama in this, ja- in this game just because uh, I trust Nick Saban's squad a little bit more. Tua has a little bit more experience as he played in last year's national championship game. I think there's a little more talent on uh, the Tide side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Straight up, Alabama winning, but against the line, I would take Clemson just because I think they have just as much pro talent as Alabama does. Um, Trevor Lawrence, he is a good quarterback, and I do trust in him. He has a lot of experience, a lot of big-time plays he's made in big-time games. Um, So I think it could be a really close game down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, there's no clear favorite in this one. Both teams with tons of pro talent on the field. Both defenses, as usual, very good. And uh, it'll be a battle for the ages, as this is the fourth consecutive year that these two teams have played in the playoff, third time in the championship. Um, so, 
Uh, moving on to some Ohio State talk. Uh, Urban Meyer retired after the Rose Bowl. And the question is brought about is, do you really think that Urban Meyer is done coaching? Or is he just concerned for his health, going to take a little break and come back uh, to the sidelines? I think it's more of a mental break, honestly. I think in a few years he'll be able to get a big-time job. and Because um, uh, tons of programs will want him because they respect him and they'll kind of not really worry about all the other things off the field that he's done. And they'll just look at the coach himself and see the success they can take him to. Programs maybe a little underlined that could need a boost and could get into college football playoff talk later. Yeah, I think he'll turn to this, uh, return to the sidelines just because he's such a driven person. I think he'll be tempted to go to a big program. Maybe a job like USC will open up. Uh, maybe Chip Kelly will fill at UCLA, Texas. You never know. But I think UCF? Possibly. Eh. I don't know if that's a big-time program enough. You, well, he, he could make it. You need a big program for him to come there. Um, but I, I think he'll I think he'll uh, return to coaching. Yeah, he'll land in the next five years, I'd say. Okay, now for on this day, 99 years ago in, two, in 1919, the New York Yankees bought Babe Ruth for $125,000 from the Red Sox, possibly the biggest uh, major league transaction of all time. Yeah, I mean, you have to say he's in the talk for... Um, one of the best players of all time. Yeah, and that brought about the biggest, one of the biggest dynasties with Lou Gehrig and you know the pride of the Yankees. It's got to be the the dynasty of all time with the Yankees. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then also on this day in 2013, Florida State beat Auburn in the national championship for the last BCS um, national championship of all time before the college football playoff. All right. Now moving on to some Fuller House talk. Uh, Jack and I are big. Full House and Fuller House fans, so we just want to give uh, an overview of uh, the season four that came out over break. Lots of binge watching going on. Yes, um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it in the last couple of episodes, but now both uh, finished up season four, and I think it was either I'm saying probably the first or second best season out of the four they've created out of the Fuller House. Um, I think they've settled into like a plot line, more of a basis of the characters. And now they kind of take off into normal TV because at first they had the they had to use an attention grabber to kind of um, keep the show alive, but now they've settled into the Netflix um the Netflix business essentially. You know, I think this was the worst season of Fuller House. The worst season. <laughs> I mean, I think that Jackson played too much of a pivotal role in the plot. And personally, I mean, I, I have no hate on him, but he's just. Eh. Such an awkward person. I don't think he is a great character. No, I think I think he might be the worst of the brothers. Yeah, he's definitely the worst. It's just because he's the older one. And Max and Tommy are the top two brothers. And I especially, I just wish they would do more flashbacks to like the old f- Full House. I what, think, what do you mean flashbacks? Like, like, like in the first episode when they flashback um, to when they were singing the Flintstone, the Flintstone song. Like, I really thought the season, the the magic of the first season was unbelievable. It's kind of hard for them to recap that now. Well, I mean, like, you know, are you saying, like, by, like, bringing all the old, like, characters back a lot in the first season like yeah. that? Yeah. And, like, they had the twins coming back, and now Gia's daughter's in it, and I just think, uh like... Are they, like, overusing the magic, because I'm almost... Yeah, I just think that they need to focus in more on, with, like, Joey, Jesse, and Danny. I thought those were the, the best days, and I think they could have the most success... 
with focusing on those characters instead of like everyday problems that Ramona and Jackson have every day. I think that's just a little boring. Well, like the whole full house was about that. They can't just like do fuller house about the same thing. Like they have to k- go with the new uh, Kimmy, Stephanie and DJ. Yeah. It doesn't I, make any I guess, sense to, I just thought to it was, redo it was, the whole thing. It was very, very cheap. <laughs> Basically you're saying you're a big full house guy, not a big fuller house guy. Yeah. Yeah. But also I thought I was a little cheesy. Like at the end when, you know, Kimmy had her, Kimmy had the daughter, you know, and or was it a girl or a guy? I don't think they ever said, but no, I think they did. I don't know. I think, but I think it was a guy, honestly. But I just little, thought little like, sparkly. and then and then Stephanie, and then uh, Jimmy proposed. Jimmy proposed, and I was like, oh, this is so cheesy. So I just think they need to get more better, get better plots. Honestly, I think like TV shows are also just better like on cable when you can kind of watch it week by week and over the years progress. Yeah, because you 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 have so much more anticipation. And yeah, like with like older TV shows that are on like week by week and then you see reruns and you just kind of like you rumber up but like for me it's just kind of like I watch the one season I'm done I wait like the six months and I watch the next one right it's like Stranger Things like people have watched that and then they have to wait like a year and a half and they're so disappointed so I think like TV is just better on cable and then when there's so many episodes it's great for Netflix like like uh crime TV shows I love that but I I just don't think with like Netflix like it's just like they're releasing these like new things then it's like but then it's gone and you don't i i just like the magic of like the old fashioned is like flipping through the channels i hope it just doesn't ever go away right exactly okay that's enough entertainment for this show um moving on to some college basketball talk so yesterday was actually a pretty action-packed day of college basketball with michigan state uh beating ohio state 86 77 both ranked teams in the big 10 as conference play has started um and now Big Ten has seven out of 25 ranked teams in the top 25. And do you think this is an accurate representation of how talented the Big Ten is? Or do you think it's just kind of a fluke? I wouldn't say it's a fluke. I think the Big Ten is really good. Um, I do think they are going to get like seven, maybe eight bids in yeah, the tournament. Sure. Yeah, Um But top 25, I mean, Iowa, like we said, Iowa and Wisconsin will fall out after this week after their losses. But, I mean, their top half is solid, and it can compete with anybody in the country. Yeah, like John Deasing said in our Big Ten preview, they don't really have any stars at the top. I mean, Michigan State's probably the best team. I don't think they're... But they don't have... Well, I would I would say, no, Michigan's their best team. Yeah, Michigan. I forgot. Yeah, Michigan's probably their best team. Um, I still don't know if I can trust them compared to ACC. I mean, I know they've played North Carolina, but North Carolina struggled a bit. So I don't know if they compete, could, could compete with like the Dukes of the world, but you know, if one of the if one of the ACC heavyweights if they fall out before the Final Four, you know, I definitely think that a Big Ten team could sneak in and get a national championship, possibly for sure. Also, Kansas uh, fell to Iowa State yesterday by a good amount, losing by seventeen points at Iowa State, and um, Kansas, as of now, is still the favorite, but. Do trends show that they could be falling out and may losing some steam? I mean, they've won fourteen straight Big Twelve championships, and that's what's in that's what's in play here. I mean, is Iowa State the favorite to beat Kansas? I mean, what other pack, Big Twelve teams do you think could come around? I mean, um, I think I think Kansas is still the favorite because like West Virginia struggling this year, um, 
there aren't as many teams competing. Like, Texas Tech has actually shown Texas Tech. They, they, they played toe to toe with Duke actually, um, but Kansas they don't seem as talented this year. Like they still may win the Big Twelve, but I don't I don't even know if they get past like the round or Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I think their freshmen's kind of been the focal point of their their little bit of struggle early. It's because their freshmen did not play to the potential as they're like ranked in the um, top 100. These McDonald's All Americans they had coming in, these guys are a little passive early. Like Grimes is a top guard in the country coming in, and he has not shown what he what he, what he promised to them almost. Right. All right. Now moving on to Major League Baseball talk and. Just kind of a recent trend. All the baseball writers are submitting their Hall of Fame ballots, and you know Tim Kirchin, Buster Only, Ken Rosenthal. I've all seen on their ballots Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. So, do you think this is the year that they'll get in? I do not think so. I, I think um, the whole steroid thing and everything with that will leave them on the outside, and they won't get in ever. I'd say actually. Um, just because of that, almost. I mean, obviously their stats show differently that Clemens has 354 wins. Bonds has the incredible on-base percentage and home run number. So, I mean, I can see where people are coming from. Like, hey, yes, they take steroids, but their numbers are still off the charts. So I think, like, it's okay for them to go in. But personally, I just think it's like a no-go for those steroid guys. I'm kind of the opposite. I think personally they should not get in because they cheated. But That's what, that's what I'm saying. Okay, but I actually think this is the year that they will get in. I think there's enough momentum this year that there aren't that many other guys on the belt to vote for, and I think uh, Bonds and Clemens have... No, this built- is like the like the loaded ballot. I mean, did you see all those names on there? Like, Brian Kenny was saying there could be like nine guys in the Hall of Fame inducted, seven guys. There's a lot of guys from old um, years coming in that have a chance. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. All right, a little hot stove right now. So the Nationals have reportedly increased their deal for Bryce Harper from 10 years and $300 million to uh, more years and obviously more money that correlates with it. Um, so do you think the Nationals are now the favorites, or do you still think it's like the White Sox and the Phillies? I still think it's like, um, like the White Sox or Phillies or other teams. I don't think it's the Nationals. I think that's a bad increase of deal going 300 plus over 10 years. Cause he's going to be on like 36 or like 37, whatever. When that contract ends up, it's not like a favorable contract for the nationals. Cause if you think about it, if they're, you know, they fall out of their prime as a team in the next five years or so, and they're stuck with a big, bad contract with Bryce Harper getting older and not playing as well. They, they're going to want to start something new and they're just going to have them sit on their bench. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point. Like, teams aren't as dumb as they used to be, and they're not going to give players long contracts like they did with the Josh Hamiltons of the world, um, the Robbie Cano's. You know, it's too big of a risk to give, uh, to give like, 10 years or plus. Giancarlo Stan, I mean, he's had productive years, but I don't think well, he's that, lived that up one, to the money. That one's I don't think we, we can say yet um, because as in fully – like his contract hasn't fully went up to. I mean, he said still like solid home run home run numbers, but I know what you're saying. Also, like Albert Pools, right. obviously, probably. Actually, I wouldn't say that's one a bust, but I think people expect too much about him because I think I saw something where it said Albert Pools has more home runs than Bryce Harper does since that contract was signed. 
Yeah, I mean, so Harper's so, been injured a lot too, but yeah. I mean, look, Albert Pujols out of his prime, more home runs than Bryce Harper, and he's still getting 300 million plus. Yeah, um, so it'll be interesting to see if Harper and Machado are going to get paid what they really want to, or if they're going to have to settle for lower deals um, in return for more money instead of a longer deal with less money. Um, Okay, now moving on to uh, the association talk. And uh, the other day, James Harden had an incredible three-pointer at the end of the Rockets-Warriors game um, at the Oracle Arena. And after the game, Rockets GM said after the Warriors game, you can argue for him as the best offensive player all time. And I mean, he's got a point. Uh, in the last ten games, he has four, he's averaging forty-one points, almost ten assists, and seven rebounds. Um, but do you think that this quote is an accurate representation of Harper or uh, Harden? Excuse me. No, I don't think you can say he's the best offensive player of all time. I mean, that's just, it's a little outlandish, honestly. Top five. Top five. I had to look into it more. That's more a possibility. But I think it just doesn't seem like he's that good of a player. I mean, obviously he's a great scorer, but it doesn't seem like he's put on the pedestal compared to like the other greats. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare him with other generations of players like Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, because, you know, back in the 80s, uh, Jordan used to get like you, you could touch all over guys now uh, with all the new foul rules. It's much easier for offensive players to have a lot more success. And also the game has just evolved a lot. Like Harden's in a lot of isolation um, opportunities. And back in the 80s and 90s, it was much more of a team game. But I don't even think um, that Harden's top five with, I think James is number one, which is his yeah. strength. I'd probably go Jordan number two, Kobe number three. I go Kareem number three. Kareem probably three. I think he's just more dominant in an era. I mean, Kobe was a great scorer. He models game after Jordan, so. um, But, yeah, I I think that's a little outlandish and shenanigans to to say that Harden's top, top, one of the top offensive players of all time. Yeah. Okay, so uh, another recent trend is the Warriors are kind of down spiraling. uh, Six and five in their last 11 games. And I kind of think they seem more vulnerable than normal. Um, They just don't seem like they're having that team game with all that great passing and spacing like they used to. In fact, KD is spending 21% of his plays in isolation. And so is this a concern, panic, or doom moment for the Warriors? I'd say right now concern. um, Nothing too bad about this situation. I feel once they get Boogie Boogie Cousins back, I think they'll be back to full strength and honestly i'm just like it's hard to worry about the warriors for me honestly i can see how they're more vulnerable right now but i think when the playoffs come around they'll turn around and everything will be fine for them i think this is kind of a panic moment for the warriors actually because in the past seasons where they've made it to the championship they haven't had these types of stretches where they've just lost these many games and there's been this much commotion in the locker room so i think if they really want to make sure they're confident heading into the playoffs. They really need to pick up a full head of steam and go on a run in these next couple weeks if they want to be totally confident that they can um, go back to the finals for, for another run. Also, last night, the Bucks lost to the Raptors in a close game, 123-116. to 116. 
And after this game, who do you think are the favorites in the East? Um, I think the favorite in the East for me is the Raptors. The reason I don't go with the Bucks is because I don't think they have enough, like, essentially experience in the playoffs when it comes time then. I think in the regular season, they could maybe, um, they could win the, could win these, but I think in the postseason, I like the Raptors more just because of their experience, and honestly, the Bucks do not have a lot of great success in the playoffs so far. Right. I mean, the Bucks have never really been in this opportunity where they're one of the top seeds um, in the East, but actually, I think that the Celtics could be the favorites in the East because they've picked up a lot of steam over the past couple weeks, having a lot of success, kind of getting all things rolling with Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, and all their surrounding players. Um, even though the Celtics may not be the number one seed heading into the playoffs, I think that the the talent is just a lot more than all the other teams making them the favorites. How do you feel about the Sixers right now? There's still a lot. I mean, they have chemistry issues, a lot of egos on that team with Ben Simmons. Jimmy Butler is a mess any place he goes. Um, there's arguments with him and the front office right now. Yeah, I think they have lots to figure out there after it seemed like they had really high expectations going into this year. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Seems like they can be a team of the future also. So the East is looking to gain a lot of strength coming up. Yeah. All right, now some stats of the day. So first one is the Cavs. Wait, Andres. What? We gotta play the track. Oh. Yo, statisticians. Let's geek it. Stop, we're gonna drop some stats. Brothers back with some fresh new tracks. War, Vork, and RE24. Under the tree of the St. Metrotor. We're not all about the James and the Kennys. We know that Darvish ain't more than a penny. To the average Joe, it might be nonsense. But to the Bay Brothers, it makes perfect sense. Alright, my stat of the day is that the Cavaliers are the first team in major professional sports history to lose four consecutive home games by 20 points or more. They may say that they're not trying for Zion, but they are. Yeah, I mean, I'm still liking the phrase um, uh, for the Knicks more, we're not trying for Zion, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the Cavs do that. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent in this year's draft. I mean, there are four or five teams that just watching them or against their competition is just, it's comical, I'd yeah, say, that, they're, that they're losing by this much. Um, another stat of the day is Brooke Lopez has made more three-pointers than Clay Thompson this season. So, kind of surprising. Yeah. Underline. Sleeper. Splash Mountain. Brooke Lopez. <laughs> okay. Now moving on to our, so- uh, our soft tissues and tough cookies. I kind of got a weird tough cookie this week. It's Herschel Walker. I read an article last night. It's crazy. He's done all this crazy stuff. He was, uh... Heisman winner at Georgia, moved on to the NFL. He was in the USFL with uh, with the New Jersey Generals, with the owner being Donald Trump. Kind of crazy connections there. Then he moved on to bobsledding for the U.S. Olympic team. And now he's fighting MMA. But the thing that really surprised me is that he used to do 5,000 push-ups every day. And it took him two and a half hours. Wow. <laughs> did, did, did they say if he did them like, different sets, like... Yeah, of, yeah, he would do them in different sets. He also did 5,000 sit-ups also. 
Wow. So he was he's very motivated. Now uh, he's only... I'm, I'm not... Sit-ups, that's not as impressive. No. Cr- crunches, you gotta do crunches to really want the core. Yeah, that, that is true. But uh, sit-ups don't do much. Like, seriously. No, that is... Yeah, they just take a lot more time. But I'm a big fan of crunches, too, because yes. you really get the core going, and it's a quick it, amount of time. It's, it's, it's boom. It's boom. It's boom. Yes. You know? And... But for push-ups, like... 5,000? That's that's insane. <laughs> that's, and that's a bowl of them push-ups. He, he said he's, he's gone down to 1,500 push-ups, but that, that's still pretty impressive. Yeah. I, mean, I can barely get in 60 in a day. <laughs> okay, now food of the week. Um, went out for my sister's birthday on Thursday, it was. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> to your sister. <laughs> and it was a place called... Does Her- she have a name? Uh, her, name her name? Her official name is Elizabeth. We call her Ellie. Okay. <laughs> Clarification. She goes to Creighton. Big Brewers fan. Um, but we went to this place called Harry's uh, about 15 minutes away uh, down on Capitol. Oh, and, I, I've seen that place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they had this remarkable brisket sandwich. And it said on the menu it's going to come with onion strings. And I was like, oh, sweet. I'll get, you know, th- three or four nice onion strings. And then I get it. And there is just a mountain full of onion strings. The thing is hard to eat. It was delicious. <laughs> Made your day. <laughs> All right. Um. Going back to my tough cookie and soft tissue, um, my soft tissue is Wisconsin basketball. After a few bad losses, they're going to follow the top 25. No, no bias here. No bias. Yes. No bias. <laughs> um, yeah. They obviously have some problems there and are trying to figure that out. My tough cookie of the week is... Uh, my tough cookie is the Colts just because of their good play down the stretch and the... Um, them blowing out the Texans yesterday in their first round of the playoffs. And also my food of the week, I'm just going to go with the uh, leftovers from our Christmas Eve dinner. A little prime rib, risotto, green beans, bada-bing, bada-boom. Had it two nights in a row. It was great stuff, even out of the microwave. <laughs> and now we're going to move into our uh, final four, and I'll, I'll hit the tracks for this one. And our final four this week is Sam Smith songs. An unbelievable artist has many great tunes. Okay, so I have the first pick this week, and I'm gonna go with "I'm Not the Only One," just because his incredible tone and the words of the song are very good. That is a classic. I mean, yeah, it's a star on Apple Music, so I have to go with it. Um, I'm gonna go with a pretty also generic one for my first one. I'm gonna go with. Stay with me from that same album in the lonely hour. That was a big jam of summer 2014. I remember like listening to the car radio. I I can picture after I listen to that song. There's like no songs but but this one. After I listen to the song, I can hear like the little you know radio take of like Kiss Kiss FM or whatever. I can hear it because I listened so much on the radio. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Okay, <laughs> good story. <Jack. laughs> For my next one, I'm gonna go with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Now. If you haven't heard this Christmas song, this is a must listen because I've seen this song done a million different times. I think Bing Crosby even does this song, but no one does it better than Sam Smith in this classic Christmas carol. Fair enough. <laughs> um, for my second pick, I'm going to go with Him, a very underrated Sam Smith song. Never heard it. Well, you should get on that. <laughs> um, I probably know all the words to this song. It's a great song. It really gets in Sam Smith's feels here. And... I do not understand how it doesn't get a star in Apple Music, but I mean, 
For me, it bangs. <laughs> okay. Uh, third pick. I'm going to go with Latch. Um, Latch. Especially the edited version is really good of this song. When did you come out with that one? Yeah, I don't know the history. I, I, think I just like, the, li- I just like his... the listen. Okay, fair enough. Um, for my third pick, I'm going to go with... Oh, this is a tough one. I'm debating between two. I'm going to go with one last song. It's a good one. That yeah. one, um, it's a little more upbeat from Sam Smith. Sam Smith. Um, it has a good tempo. Also have the gospel choir in that yeah, one. Yeah, gospel choir in that one. And I think it's just a good change of pace for him. All right, last pick. I'm going to go with, for me, last pick. I'm going to go with writing, Writings on the Wall. I believe this was done for a James Bond movie, actually. But I really like this song because the violins are a great aspect of the song, and his voice is just so majestic, and it really gets me in my feels. Okay, for my last pick, I'm going to go with... Uh, too good at goodbyes. This was the absolute top pick uh, out of his album in 2017, "The Thrill of It All," and everybody loved this song. Um, it's a classic. I mean, I listen to it whenever it comes on, and it's a very relaxing song with a good background singers in the back. That was a little <laughs> redundant. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's my last pick for the Sam Smith Final Four, and. This concludes the Bay Brothers podcast, and today we're going to close out with uh, Sam Smith's song, Too Good at Goodbyes. We're wishing away season one. Hello, season two of Bay Brothers podcast. So long. I'm way too good at goodbyes. I'm way too good at goodbyes. I'm way too good at goodbyes. I'm way too good at goodbyes.